I'm entitling this Angels Part 2. Um, but I, I want to just, I was, <laughs> I was praying this week, and, uh, and the Lord uh, started to remind me of what happened at the beginning of 2020. And, uh, and then I can't, because we're on live stream, I've got to be very, very careful what I say. Okay. Because I don't know who's, who's listening. But uh, there was a contact that we have, or that we met, I should say, uh, in the courts, in the legal arenas. And I'll leave it at that. It's not our lawyer, it's somebody else. And they were able to, they, they, were, they were privy to information about me that even the lawyer wasn't privy to, our criminal attorney, when, we were, when I was arrested back two years ago now. What was it, two years ago? Beginning of 2020, so two years ago. And uh, they were privy to information that even the lawyer wasn't fully privy to because certain things the, the, the Crown will not necessarily express everything at one time. As the thing progresses, then there's certain rules. They have to, they have to tell the, the, the defense attorney, which was my attorney, certain things, but they don't always tell them everything all at once kind of thing. And that's from what I understand. That there's a strategy behind the whole thing. And anyway, it's not my business. All I know is that there was somebody that had privy information that even our lawyer uh, did not even fully know. And, uh, and they met with me and they told me and they said, Pastor Craig, I just want you to know um, how much of a miracle that situation was, it's a bigger miracle than you realize. And it turned out that there wasn't one charge, there were actually three charges against me, which I didn't even know. And that they were not summary charges, they were indictable offenses. I knew one of them was, but I didn't know about the other ones. And uh, either the lawyer was trying to make me feel better because he could see how stressed I was, or they didn't tell him the full information, I don't know. But one of the charges carried a 10 year prison sentence. And that, that doesn't even count the other two. And so he had said to me, it would be a minimum of a year and a half in prison, but he didn't tell me what the maximum was. And the maximum was up to 10. <laughs> Not that that would necessarily would have happened, but in other words, it was a very serious situation, far more than I even realized at the time. Whether the lawyer knew it or not, maybe he didn't divulge everything because he didn't think we could handle it, or I don't know, or maybe he didn't know everything. I really don't know. I really don't care. The point is, is that there was more going on in the spiritual realm to try to silence the voice than I had any idea until just last week when that information came to me. And it kind of, it, it hit me a little bit when that person said it to me because I thought, oh my Lord, this was, this was worse than I thought it was. And if this had gone in a, in a different direction... Maybe one of them, but if the other two had gone in a different direction, and if you hadn't intervened, uh, it could have been a very serious thing. Yeah. Where, where, where I, I, I mean, <laughs> I know we joke. I mean, I laugh. I mean, I laugh at it now, but I wasn't laughing at it then. And when Randy in, in the restaurant said, here, I'm going to teach you how to make hot chocolate. You take a Milky Way bar and, and you get your little can, you know, what they give you for hot water. And, and I said, Randy, and I'm, I'm laughing and crying at the same time. I said, don't do that. It's not funny, man. He's, I, he said, well, I've done my time. I'm just, I'm just help, helping you getting ready to do yours. I said, that's not funny. I don't appreciate that kind of humor right now because I was totally like just stressed. And, and, I, and, and, and that stress, just thinking it was six months, maybe a year or something. I, and one offense, I had no idea what they were building. They were building a case against me. And, 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 a lot, and some of it was not even true. But I learned a very valuable lesson. Don't ever give advice in writing. Because that's what I did. I gave advice, scriptural counsel in written word. 
and when, and when lawyers are involved and the, and the crown is involved and you're telling somebody to forgive somebody who they are trying to do legal things against, they consider that you're obstructing justice. And, and of course, I didn't know any of this at the time where I probably wouldn't have even said anything, but I've learned some valuable lessons. Have, have uh, video cameras in all of the counseling sessions because we couldn't prove what was said because we didn't record it. But now we're starting to do that. And don't ever give anything in writing. Don't ever, I'll never give anything again in writing again because you don't know who's reading it and you don't know how they're going to twist it. But the point is, I'm not even necessarily that upset with the individuals, the, the, the citizens involved in that because I'm not even sure fully where, I'm not even sure where all that blame lies. But I just know that the, the government itself, the, there's an, there was an antichrist thing. And that, 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 that DA was trying to destroy our church. Whether they realized it or not, they were used of the devil. And I had no idea how serious it was until last week. I mean, I knew it was serious, but I didn't know it was as serious as it really was. And when this individual who had privy knowledge, and that's, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to expose them. But, if they, but when they said, they said, you have no idea how close you came to a long prison sentence, like where you wouldn't see your kids. And, and, and over stuff that is ridiculous. But, but the government can take something and just twist it a little bit and just try to tack something onto it and then say you're a criminal. So anyway, I was thinking about that and, and just thanking God for that. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, son, do you remember back then? Go back and look at your notes during that time of great stress. So I did. And he said, do you remember that you had a service on a Wednesday night, which I had forgotten? You had a prayer and fasting Wednesday, and a, I don't know if you remember that, and we had a, like a, a praise service. Yeah. Do you remember that, Taylor? And he said, the Lord reminded me, I'd actually forgotten we had that. He said, you took a whole Wednesday to seek me to change that situation. And I said, Lord, I remember. And he asked me, he said, why have you never had another Wednesday to honor what I did? And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry, I, I don't know. He said, you took a whole Wednesday to ask but you never, you, it's like, but then once it's over, once I've intervened, it's like, oh, thanks, Lord. And you move right along. So he said to me, and I, this is unusual, but he said to me, he said, I want this Wednesday to be a Wednesday where you honor me for what I did in that situation. Because you took a Wednesday to ask me, but you've never taken a Wednesday to thank me. So I'm, I'm talking about that tonight because that's what he instructed. And, I, and God takes it personal. It's wonderful when everybody seeks him, but then when he actually does something, it's amazing how we forget. We were so intense in the moment of need, but then when he answers the need, it's like we're so relieved. I don't know. We just start running on with our life, and we don't take that moment to look back and to say, Father, thank you for what you did because your, your, your power changed something for us. And I think all of us can all do that more uh, in all of our lives because always things that we're going through, we're believing God through, and then there's a victory, and we don't have the same intensity of gratitude afterward as we did on the seeking God to beforehand. Do you understand? So I just, I just wanted to just read a couple of verses to you, and I'm, I'm just reminiscing a little bit tonight about that, about that time. And uh, 1 Corinthians 16.9, if you'd look with me, please. 1 Corinthians 16.9. So it's a little bit different tonight, but this is just what I felt is right to do to show God honor for what he did. And uh, I hope and pray that we never have to have another service where we have to seek and fa- pray and fast for deliverance again. I hope and pray that that never happens, but it might. But I don't want to go into another one of those knowing that I didn't show the proper gratitude for the first round. 
Praise God. So 1 Corinthians 69, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now in 2020, this happened in the early 2020. In 2020, we entered into what we call the, God said, the Hebron years, which is seven and a half years. And we had just started that in that year. And it was like a new door had opened unto us in a new season. The Ziglag season was over and the Hebron season had begun. And, and in the beginning of that season, of course, we know from the scripture that there are, there's many adversaries. And uh, this, is, this is par for the course. But just because there's many adversaries does not mean that the adversaries have to overcome us. But in that time, he had said to me, there's many adversaries. Uh, and I remember we went to California. Pastor Nancy asked me to preach on, on the blood on that Thursday night, the healing last night of the services, the healing service. And then, uh, and, 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 and my dear friend, Dr. Coulter, was watching that service. And he, heard, <laughs> and he heard me preach that subject. And then on Monday, he called me, which well, I haven't talked to him since we started the church and all the stress and problems that happened back then. And he called me and he was so kind. And he said to me, he said, I just want you to know that was such a masterful sermon. I listened to every word. And, 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 you know, and then he said, you were better than, and he named some names. And I said, Dr. Coulter, don't, don't say that, sir. I'm not better than those people. But he was trying to honor me. He was trying to encourage me, even though that's not true. But he was trying to encourage me. And he said, you know, he said, and he listed some things in that sermon that he appreciated. And he said, I just want you to know something. Your church is doing great. And I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. And it was, such a, it was such an incredible phone call. I've been waiting for so long for that phone call because what happened, how the devil came in to cause disruption when we started the church and to cause disruption with Dr. Dufresne who loved him and they were best friends. And then this church caused a breach in that relationship because Dr. Dufresne was going to leave me so he could maintain peace with another elder in the body of Christ. And an angel walked through the door in his hotel in the United States. And the angel said, I've come from the throne of heaven to give you a message. You will go to that church. He was talking about promise of life. You will go and you will preach. And he walked back through the wall. So he called me. I was working at customs. You're not allowed to have your phone on. So I looked at my phone on my break, 11 missed calls, Dr. Dufresne. You don't, Dr. Dufresne doesn't call anybody hardly. And when he does call, you answer. Yeah. So 11 missed calls. Uh, that was fear and trembling. I, I went to the, uh, the handicapped bathroom. That was my office. Uh, because it's handicapped bathrooms, nobody can get in and there's single stalls. So that, that was my personal office. And they knew the reverend goes to the bathroom when he has to make his calls. They called me padre because they're all think, they don't know what, what a minister means. So they think you're a Catholic and father. And so they called me padre. Uh, anyway, so I went padre. I went to the padre office, which is the handicapped bathroom. And I, and, I, and I called Dr. Dufresne and I said, sir, I'm so sorry. Why aren't you picking up your phone? I said, sir, I'm at work. I'm not allowed to. I could lose my job. <laughs> well, uh, I want you to know something. And then he paused and he said, uh, and then he's paused like he wasn't going to tell me. And I said, yes, sir. He said, I wasn't going to come. I'm not gonna, I wasn't going to come down there because of all the accusations against you. Then he started listing the accusations. What I was accused of, snake, thief, liar, hypocrite. Da -da 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 -da. And I just went silent. And he said, are these true? Now, he knew they weren't, but he wanted <laughs> are they? I said, no, sir, they're not true. He says, well, certain people that are higher than you in a ministry and have been around longer than you and who I've known much longer than you are accusing you of these things. And I said, sir, whatever God shows you is the truth, but it's not true. I, I put my hand on the Bible. It's not true. I said, they're upset because they're, they're losing people because they're turning, they're changing directions. 
They're moving away from the flow that you, Dr. Dufresne, instituted. And, and, and as a result, some of the folks aren't happy. And so there's just some rippling effect going on. But I, but I love them and I've not done anything dishonorable and I've not taken anybody from their church. I said, we don't even have an email address. We don't even have a physical address. I mean, we did, but nobody even knew where you lived, Lorraine, because you were in a new, a new property and th they weren't even on the maps. Her house on Barb St. Barbara wasn't even on the map. You couldn't even find it unless you knew where it was. We had no website. We had no, no voicemail, nothing. So I said, we're not recruiting. We're not doing nothing. And so he paused and he goes, I know, I know. I just wanted to see what you were going to say. I said, Dr. Dufresne, I mean, cheapers, creepers. I mean, you're listing out these things to me, making my heart stop. And you already know the answer. Because at first I thought he didn't know the answer. He's asking from a perspective like, what do you think? Is this true? And he said, no, I already know. I already know. He said, you know, he said, he said, I don't know you very well. And I've, I don't have, I don't know you very well at all. I've only just got to know you. And I've known this person for over 20 years. He said, but I know God more. And he said, God told me, he said, I don't want to tell you the specifics, but God told me to come to your church. Amen. So even though in my mind, I think I should back out because God has said it, I'm coming. And he said, when I come, it means a stamp of approval is being put on your church from God himself and from my office. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, so I'll be there. That was a few days before the event started. And this was when we had this place in, we rented a place in Oakville for three days because we didn't even have a building. And I didn't want him to come to the basement. So we, uh, you know, so then I picked him up. I picked him up from the private airport. He was jetting. Mitch was there carrying the, all his suits in a bag kind of thing. We, we, we go into the room and Mitch is starting to hang him up. And he says, Mitch, out, please go to your room. I need to talk to this young man. And he says, sit on the bed. <laughs> so I sat on the bed. And I remember I was so nervous because I didn't know what he was going to say. And he stands right above me looking at me like this. And I'm just sitting on the bed like a little kid. And he's, and he's looking over me. And he says, I want, I remember I told you I didn't want to tell you on the phone what happened, but I told you God told me to come. Well, I want you to know what happened. And then he told me in detail what that angel, when it came through the wall and what it said to him and how it walked back through the wall and how God said to him, Craig's heart is right. He's not perfect because nobody is. But his heart is right. And there's innocency in him. And you go and put your stamp, my stamp on that church because I'm going to use that church in the end days. And he said, that is the only reason I'm here. Because if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here because I don't believe in causing division in the body of Christ. And so there was a firestorm for a little while. But after his office came, that really slowed down. But then there was silence. There was no communication with, that other, with the other minister. And I didn't want there to be a, a bad leaving a bad, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that. We tried many times to reach out to no avail and I'll leave it at that. But on that, on that January, 2020, when I preached that sermon and he called me on Monday the 13th, I'll never forget. And there was a divine healing and a restoration that I'd been waiting for, for a lot of years because God likes restoration. He doesn't like people being at odds. The anointing will flow if, because he's not gonna, I'm not going to suffer because somebody else is at odds. I tried multiple times, but he wasn't ready. But when God, when, when he finally, when, when whatever needed to happen in his heart happened, he, and he's an elder in the body of Christ, and he's older than me, and he's far more educated than me and more mature than me, and he doesn't, it's hard for an older man, a statesman, to humble themselves to a junior. Do you understand? But he was so humble and so kind on that phone call. And I believe that God, God won that. Yeah. 
He won that round. The devil thought he had won that round, but God won that round. And God started dealing with me right after that happened. He started dealing with me about how Esau and Jacob, Jacob was coming in. He had left his Laban, Laban's place, you know, and he was coming back to the land of Israel. And he was entering and he had just gone over the Jordan. He was entering into where really he should be. This is his land of promise. And he has his children there. Remember, he had eventually the 12. I don't think at that point, I don't know if, I don't know if the youngest was born or not, Benjamin, but he had, he had, the, the, the sons were with him. And he's going from Laban's from that time of seclusion, and he's coming into his land of promise. And the Lord said, just like Ziglag was a time of seclusion, you're coming into your Hebron, your land of promise. And God said to me, I mean, I've preached this before, but it's been a long time. So I think it's important that we honor and remember it. That the, the, the mastery of God, that you couldn't make these things up and you couldn't organ, I couldn't or orchestrate this on my own. But God said, because you are coming into this new thing, you're coming in. Remember, 2019 was the Jordan year. We were going through the Jordan, and then, and then, of course, 21 was also going through the Jordan kind of on the, on the other direction, and both represented different things. But the Jordan ultimately represents a change of season. The Israel, Israelites went through the Jordan when they took the land, and Jesus went through the Jordan when he was going to go up and fast and pray and enter his ministry. Jordan is always a, a symbol of ending one season and starting another. And we had just finished the 19 year, which was the Jordan. And the Lord said, you're ending a season and you're entering into a new season. You're ending Ziglag and you're entering into Hebron. And then he showed me this thing with Jacob in Genesis 32. And, 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 Esau, and Esau was leaving an old, an old scene with Laban, just like the Ziglag representation. And he's coming into a brand new land of promise. And he crosses the Jordan. And it was so relevant to me because we had just finished our Jordan year and we're entering our Hebron year. And the Lord said to me, but things must be restored. I couldn't fully bless Jacob unless he humbled himself and made sure there was restoration with relationships that had not gone right. Do you understand? So at the beginnings of things, relationships have to be intact. I don't know why I'm saying this, but some of you need to hear this. I don't know why, but anyway. Some people, some people try to get into things that God has for them, but there's relationships that aren't intact. And God, God is into restoration. It's not always possible, but if it is possible, he expects it. If Esau wasn't willing, it wouldn't have been possible. But if Esau is willing, then it, then, and when Jacob's willing, both should make the effort. And the Lord showed me back in that early part of 2020, the very beginning of our Hebron season, we had just entered it. He said, just like Jacob had entered his new season, you are entering yours. And as Jacob had a restoration, I am bringing a restoration to you. And as Esau came to Jacob, Jacob didn't go look for him. Esau came to him. He said, so the elder in your life, which was this minister, with, which had had all these problems, he approached you. You didn't approach him. You're the younger. And he said, that mantle is on you, but I want that mantle to have full expression. It can't have full expression if there's things that aren't right. And that was a very divine thing. It was a very holy thing that God was working in that, in that season. And there was a beautiful restoration of that relationship and honor shown on both sides. Praise God. And uh, praise God. It was, it was precious. And so the Lord said so that I was already aware of this. This, this Jacob and Esau type thing, because I was aware of what had just transpired with this precious minister that we wanted to have a good relationship with. And, and praise God, we do. Amen. We do now. Uh, I waited a long time. Greg Reverend Greg went through a lot with me, a lot with me. You don't even know half of what he went through to, to help us and to stand with us. So he's waiting a long time. I'm waiting a long time. Pastor Nancy was waiting a long time. And God won. 
because men could humble their hearts. Oh, if men could just humble their hearts, God would win a lot more. Praise God. And he was thrilled. So I knew we had come into that sea. I'm saying this all for a reason. I knew we'd enter that season and this thing, this divine thing that I could not orchestrate had just happened. And so I was aware of that. But then at the same time, <laughs> on the same day that that happened, which was the third, I think it was the 13th, whatever that Monday was, I think it was the 13th of January. The same day, the police called me and said, they're, 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 you're under arrest if you don't show up at the police station to submit to your Miranda rights and APB will be put out across the GTA for you. The same day. So it was like this glorious victory and then this tremendous assault, which of course until last week, I didn't even know how serious it was. So, you know, Greg was kind. He went with me. You know, he wasn't allowed in. But Jenny and him went with me to kind of... <laughs> they prayed with me in the car. And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I went in. And it was not a very nice lady. But anyway, she's okay. I guess they have a hard job. Those police officers have a hard job. They deal with bad people a lot of the time. And so they don't know who's bad and who's good. So they treat everybody like they're bad, including me. So I enjoyed getting my mugshot and my Miranda rights and everything. And he said, I would cuff you, but I don't need to because you're already in the station. I said, thank you, sir, for not cuffing me. And, uh, and then the, the fingerprints and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, then a long uh, session with the uh, investigators trying to ask questions, very leading questions. And I was told I, we didn't have a lawyer. Stupid. Don't ever go and without a lawyer. I've learned that. But I, but I didn't know that. But I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, be quiet. Be quiet. I said, but Lord, I got nothing to be quiet about. I know the truth and the truth shall set me free. <laughs> but sometimes they don't want to hear the truth. They want to get information. Anyway. <laughs> so not only did I say my piece there, but then I was not happy with the outcome. So I called the lead investigator with Jenny in the car and spent another hour on the phone with him that afternoon, that evening. And Jenny heard how they, they they're very sneaky. And they were trying to twist things that I was saying. And, and, and I had to say, no, sir, you're twisting what I'm saying. That's not what I said. Anyway, so all of that happened. And I'm thinking, this is going to go away. I mean, this is not a really big deal. But then it builds and it builds and it builds. And then, and then the lawyer's involved. And then prison sentences and this and that. And they're going to a judge. And the court date is set. And, and I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. And then I've got Randy coming who's mocking everything. I love him, but I don't think, he know, but he, but when we were in Gatlingburg the year before, remember Jenny, we were in that restaurant that serves the, all the food. I don't know what, how to explain it, but it's a Southern type of deal. And it's like a big Slazy Susan and they just fill it with food and you just turn it and you just eat until you almost throw up. I mean, it's just, it's gross and glorious all at the same time. But in, it's really good. Southern cooking. And in that restaurant, the Holy Ghost came on him. And he looked at me. The Barbies were there. And a couple other ministers were there. And looked at me and he goes, you're like a bull in a china shop, aren't you? I said, no. He said, oh, yes, you are. And you're going to get arrested. And he said, he said, and it's not because you've done anything wrong, but it's because uh, they're looking, they're looking for, they're looking, they're looking for, the devil's looking for a place to take you out. Yeah. So I said, I said, I'm going to get arrested? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, we'll try to turn it in the spirit, but just get ready. And then he started mocking about the, the I'll teach you how to make hot chocolate, right? So, so, so uh, but he got that in the spirit. And I said, well, can I turn this? What do you mean? What, what's going to happen? He just said, just be on guard. Just be on guard. But I wasn't as on guard as I should have been because I didn't know what I know today. 
So he was aware of it by the Spirit a year ago, or almost a year ago, a year before that happened. But now we're, we're almost, we're in February and March, right? This is, happened in January, but, but now it's a progressing. And now remember, he came. This is just before COVID started. He came the week before COVID started. And this was at the height of all of the stress with the lawyers. And again, I, if I had known then what I know today, I, I don't know what I would have done. Because, I mean, it's stressful even to me to hear it now, and it's over. Let alone what I would have felt back then. (laughs) Double-digit prison sentence, potentially, for something that I didn't even do anything wrong. I just told them what the Bible said. But the government doesn't like what the Bible said. Anyway, so I'm saying this for a point, because it's about angels. And so what what, what happened, uh, this thing is building. I'm aware of what this whole you know, Jacob and Esau thing, but I wasn't connecting it to this situation. I was just looking at it like we're starting a new season and God's wants restoration and praise God. But now this thing is getting worse and worse and more stressful and more stressful. And so this was now, I look back in my journal. You should journal things. You should write things down. Listen, if you don't have enough sense to write things down, why should God talk to you? I'm serious. Because your memory is not that great, and neither is mine. And there's so many things happening in life. Write it down. And I went to my journal. I looked up today when I was preparing, and, and I saw that it was on February the 21st. That things had been growing and progressing since the 13th, but it was getting now serious. And I was getting, starting to get really nervous about what, what it potentially could happen. And first, it's like a daze, like this couldn't be happening. And now I'm realizing this is actually happening. And I could be in real serious trouble here. And I could be away from my children and be away from the church. And my God, the only positive thing Greg kept telling me is, don't worry, you'll lose weight in prison. You'll lose weight in prison. (laughs) And I said, Greg, I don't know if I need to hear that because I'm going to have Milky Way bars and making, I probably aren't going to lose weight because he's hooking me up with the Milky Way bars. Anyway, he was, <laughs> he, was, he was just trying to make it lighter. But on February 21st, I, I, I remember I was, I, w- I was under great pressure that day. And, uh, and I heard the Lord say, go, go alone and pray. Just go into your bedroom and cl- lock the door and pray. And so I was, and I wasn't really hearing anything. I wasn't really having any relief. And then the word of the Lord came to me. And he said, turn to Judges chapter 5. And so I didn't quite know what he was referring to at the moment, because I, 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 I don't refer to this verse very often, but I, I want you to look with me in Judges chapter 5 because I'm giving him honor for what he's done. And that's why I'm reading this to you. Okay? Judges chapter 5. And uh, I won't read all of it for sake of time, but this is a song that Deborah the prophetess, they've just had great victory, Jenny. Yeah. And Deborah the prophetess, so there were women prophets in the Old Testament. Even under the law, how much more in the New Testament? So all these people that are against women, they need to read their Bibles. And uh, verse 12, it's not the verse we're looking at, but verse 12, and it says, Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song, arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Abinoam. And it goes on and on and on. But I want you to go down to her, st- this is all a song. Um, Taylor's going to put it to music and sing it for us at the end of service tonight. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you could look down at verse 20, and it says, well, let's have a look at verse 19. The kings came and fought. They then fought the kings of Canaan in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses or in their pathways. It actually means turnpike in the Hebrew, like a road. 
The stars, which is representing angels, because often in the Old Testament, star, the angels of God are represented as, or called the stars of heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Interesting. Then it says the river of Kishron swept them away. It goes from the natural to the spiritual and then back to the natural. It's talking about fighting kings in verse 19. Then it's talking about angels fighting from heaven. And then it goes back into the natural analogies of the river in verse 21. And the Lord showed me that scripture, Jenny. And he said to me, he said, the stars or the angels have pathways in heaven. There's actually, in other words, it speaks of order. It's not like they're like on a road where they can only fly certain routes. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is there is an order. Like a road is an order amongst chaos. It's a place for a a car to go. So there is a divine order in heaven. There is an organization in heaven. And the angels, there is an order from God in that heavenly realm. And there's assignments for them. And the Lord showed me, he said, did you notice how the angels had to fight against, obviously, demonic power regarding Sisera, who's a natural man, who's attacking the kingdom of God, who's attacking Barak and Deborah. So a human being named Sisera, there are evil spirits behind working in the heavenlies to enforce his victory. And then there's God's children, and there are beings in the spiritual realm working to enforce their victory. And our spiritual beings are called angels, and they're the enemies of God's spiritual beings are called demons, and there is a battle. And he showed me that. On that day, I was really under pressure, February 21st, I'll never forget. And he said, there are angels, and he was encouraging me, Greg, and he was giving me a word, and he was saying, I'm letting you know, son, angels have been dispatched. There is a divine course in heaven, a divine order in heaven. There are divine assignments. It's not just chaotic up here. There are assignments for certain angels to have certain assignments. It's very organized. And I have dispatched certain angels with an assignment to fight against the evil spirits that are rising up through these natural men in the government and in the judicial system. There's angels assigned to fight from their courses in heaven for you. I mean, that made me feel kind of special. It kind of made me feel like I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And then he said, go back to chapter four. And he said, and I have a look here in verse 14. So I read down, I read the whole chapter and I got to 14. It says, and Deborah said unto Barak, up. This is before the battle even started. Verse, chapter five, verse 20 is after the battle has ended and she's singing a song of praise for the victory in the battle. But chapter four, the battle is just starting. And Deborah said to Barak, up, for this is the day in which the Lord has, past tense, delivered Sisera into thy hand. No, he hasn't yet, but she's calling things that be not as though they are. And watch, is not the Lord gone out before you? Well, who's the Lord going out before him? The armies of angels, like we read last week with the four lepers in Samaria. There was an army that went out. With Moses, there was an army. Jesus was the captain of an army that went out. Even when Joshua was taking Jericho, there was an army because he said, I'm the captain of the host. The army caused that wall to fall. When David was going and the sound of the army marched and rustled the mulberry tree, the leaves, that was an army going before them. When she says, the Lord has gone out before thee, (laughs) who is she talking about? The angels. So listen to me now. The prophet, prophetess, was prophesying by the spirit with inspired utterance before the battle began 
and using faith and calling things that be not as though they are and claiming the victory. And she said, God has already won. Barak, you haven't even fought yet, but I'm saying by the spirit as a prophetess, God's already won. And angels have gone ahead of you to cause this victory to be sure. And then when it came to pass, she's singing and saying, thank you, Lord, that the stars went in their courses and fought against Sisera. He showed me those two verses on February 21st. And he said, I'm telling you, it's already done. But when you don't feel it, your emotions are freaking out. But he said, it's already done. I've gone before you. Now you'd think that that would be enough. And it was for about 48 hours. And then the pressure comes again. And then the phone calls come again. And then the cops want to talk again. And this is happening and that is happening. I'm telling you. And so I have that word, but God is so merciful. Should it be enough, Deanne, to have one word? Should be enough. But human beings sometimes need more. Because we're, we're emotional creatures. And sometimes that word, we believe it, but it's... So then I, then I thought I'd use the word against God. Have you ever done that? And I said, Father, your word says out of the mouth of two or three. You only gave me one. I want another one. I want another one. I know the angels are working, but I need another one. And I, and I remember uh, very clearly it was on March 3rd. That was February 21st. But on March 3rd, he said, turn to Daniel chapter 6. And so it was a number of days later. But he said, turn. Can you look at that with me? Daniel chapter 6. And this is the next word. Praise God for the word and his promises. When you're going through a hard time, he, he will give you answers. He will give you answers. I remember it was a little longer. I waited longer to get the second word than I would have liked, but the word always comes. While you're waiting for another word, just stand on the word you've got. Stand on the word you've got. <laughs> okay. Is this the right chapter, Jenny? Praise God. Daniel chapter 6. Where are we here? 22. No, this is, oh, this is Deuteronomy 6. Well, obviously, it's not going to work if it's Deuteronomy. I'm like, that doesn't look right to me. <laughs> Daniel chapter 6. Okay. And uh, it pleased Darius to send over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, he's the, he's the chief of the whole nation. The princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage or loss. And then this Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king sought to set him over the whole realm. And the presidents and the princes sought to find a case. You see, they're jealous. Instead of just being happy for somebody else's promotion, they get jealous. Listen, if you, don't, if you can't be happy with somebody else's promotion, you won't make it. To, but to, they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any occasion against us, Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled themselves to the king and said, unto, and said thus unto the, him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the councils and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be, may be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians with which altereth not. Even the king couldn't change his word when he gave it. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. Now, he's not hiding. 
He went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks unto his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing is true. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but makest his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He's trying to find a way to change his own word. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, No, O king, the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. I mean, the king is speaking faith. And he's not even a believer. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the dead, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, and the purpose, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. <laughs> My God has sent his, he's speaking through the, the, the still that's covered with a stone. My God, he's shouting through the stone, has sent his angel and has shut the, mouth, the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. Watch now. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. And Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found on him because he believed. Notice he believed in his God. Now this is the gift of faith. This is the gift of faith and the working of miracles. There was a divine ability for him to believe God supernaturally beyond the natural realm. And, and that, that, that believing passively received it. And then the angel, he didn't work the miracle. The angel worked the miracle by actually shutting those mouths. We talked about that in the, in the gifts of the spirit course. But notice it said he believed God. That happened to be with the gift of faith, but he still believed God. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them their children, their wives, and the lions had mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. That's a lot of people. I can't imagine how many lions must have been in there if every one of those people, there's probably dozens of them, were smashed against the wall before they even hit the bottom. There's a lot of lions down there. And then King Darius wrote unto all the people and the nations and languages that dwell on the earth, multiplied, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, which shall not be destroyed, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall he have unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in the heavens and in the earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now the Lord took me to that scripture 
on, 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 on March the 3rd, and I heard these words. He spoke to me. He heard these words, and he said, because innocency was found in thee. He's talking to me. Angels have been dispatched to stop the intended outcome of this attack. Amen. The outcome of this attack was to destroy me and destroy this church. Not even necessarily by a person, but by the devil, working through legal, legal, legal fiascos and nonsense and, and things. Angels have been dispatched because innocency was found in thee to stop the intended outcome of this attack. That was the second word. And boy, brother, that was a louder and stronger word than even Joshua 5 and Joshua, Judges 4, 5 and Judges 4. I mean, that held me. That sustained me. I mean, day and night, day and night, day and night, I would say, because innocency has been found in me. Angels have been dispatched to stop the outcome of this, the intended outcome of this attack, and it shall not come to pass. I shall be delivered. I'm, I'm trying to show you even when things get real tight and real hard and all of us face things that are tight and hard, there's angels that will help you. Amen. I don't just mean legal things, I mean anything. Angels can help you. Yes. You've got a wayward child, angels can influence that child. You've got an abusive husband, angels, be, you know, get counsel, don't be a doormat, don't be a punching bag, but if you decide to work and, and stay and get counseling, angels can assist you. Even with that spouse, you got somebody that's taking a slide at you at work and you know, when somebody's taking a slide at you, you know, when you're wrong and you know, when you've done nothing and you know, when it's an evil spirit, well, you got to use your authority and bind that spirit. But there's also angels that can go and influence people at your employment place of employment. I'm telling you, this stuff is really real. It's not just when you're facing prison. It's any situation you face. Praise God. I'm almost done because innocency was found in thee. Angels have been dispatched to stop the intended outcome of this attack. And I said, thank you, Lord. And then that was March 3rd. And then March 18th, we met. That was the last service before we went in lockdown. In fact, half the church wasn't here because they were already hearing about the lockdown and they didn't want to come. But that was a Wednesday, March 18th. We had a, a fasting and prayer service and a praise service here for this thing to be turned. And, and, and so I wrote in the glory of the Daniel word for a while, and I wrote in the glory of the March 18th Wednesday service for a while, and then that started to sputter as things started. The heat started to get turned up, and the lawyers started to get turned up. Everything started to get turned up, and I said, Father, I don't want to bother you. I know you're very busy dealing with Greg and Taylor and all the other people <laughs> that you have to deal with, especially Rob and... The Henry's, Lord, you're very busy. You're very, very busy. I said, but if I could bother you one more time, you did say, you said it, two or three. I've got two. Can I have one more? Can I just have one more? Because I, I just need, I need one more push to get through this thing. And he was so kind and it didn't come till April the 9th. <laughs> so again, there's some days passing between words. But on April the 9th, and that was the last word. And that he said, turn to Genesis 32. And I said, yes, Lord. And I, again, I shared that story about the earlier, the restoration of Jacob and Esau uh, earlier because that's, I didn't connect it to anything other than that. But all of a sudden, he took me to this scripture, Mary Chris, and my God, this set, whatever, whatever else I needed to stand my ground for this miracle came by this scripture. Amen. And Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. He's just come through the Jordan. He's about to go through now and, and Jacob, Esau is about to meet him. Okay. And the angels, this is physically, they're, man, they're tangible. They're manifested in physical form. They look like men. Angels met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. That word means army. And he called the name of that place 
Menayim. Mahanayim. Mahanayim. And Jacob, and that word Mahanayim in the Hebrew means double camp. It means twin camp. Why did he call that? And that space is still there in Israel. You can take a tour and they'll take you to Mahanaim. But what it meant is Jacob had his family camping and there was actually physically what your eyes could see. The other people could see them too. A camp of men just over yonder. And they were angels camping. I mean, this is astonishing. So anytime, one of the only times in the Bible you ever see this where angels were actually camping like people. They were physically there. You could see them. And he said, this is the host. This is angel army. And he said, that's their camp. And that's my camp. I wonder why they're here. But this is a double camp. He called it Manayim, double camp. Two armies, two hosts. It's amazing to me. And the Lord took me to this. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, in the country of Adam. And, and then you, uh, for the sake of time, we won't read it, but you know the whole story. But isn't it interesting that just before the most stressful, this is what the Lord showed me, the most stressful moment of his life, because he didn't know how Esau was going to respond. He thought Esau might kill him. That's why he put all of his, you know, his family separate. And let the servants go first with the gifts so that if they get slaughtered, there's not as much loss. He doesn't want his children dying. Do you remember? And then that was the night where he wrestled all night in the dark and he was tired and he was hungry and he was alone and, and the pre-incarnate Jesus wrestled with him and then blessed him. And then it was the next morning that Esau received him. But all of this, but he didn't even know if Esau was going to try to kill him. Because remember when Esau last saw him, he said, the next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Yes. And those kind of vendettas can last a long time. And Esau wasn't exactly the most godly man in the world. So he's not sure has his heart changed. The Lord said to me, on April the 9th, he said, look at Jacob's son. You thought this was just about a restoration as you enter your Hebron year, but there's a double meaning to the story for you. He said he was entering the most stressful moment of his life thus far, other than when he fled for his life years later. But now he is facing, it could be death. And, he, and the Lord showed me, he said, and what did I give him at a moment of tremendous stress? I gave him angels that he could see with his own eyes and that he knew were there to aid him. It's amazing to me how he was as nervous as he was when he knew the angels were there. He didn't actually really have enough. He didn't really, in my opinion, express enough faith that God's angels were there to deliver him. Because if you look at how he's acting, he's very antsy. He's very nervous. He sends the gifts. He sends, he keeps his kids away. He still doesn't really believe that Esau's not going to kill. And yet he has angels there to protect him. So what I'm saying is sometimes you even feel things when you know angels are there. But God said to me at the most stressful moment of his life, I gave him angels to protect him. And he said, you at that point, at that point, that was the most stressful moment of my life. It really was because it looked at one point like this was going to go south on me. Remember, Jenny? It looked bad. It was, I'm serious. And I didn't even know what I know today. But if I'd known what I know today, I, I don't know what I would have done. Thank God I didn't know it because that would have hurt my faith. I'm just working off a year to year and a half in prison. And that was all I could take. But the Lord, I was at the most stressful moment, and, and he said to me, he said, as I gave him angels, I'm, there are, you can't see them like he, but there are angels right now in that office working, in that DA's office, that crown office. You know what I'm talking about. There are angels working. Now, you have to trust that in faith because you can't see it. 
Now, he said, I've given you three. Don't ask me for another one. Now, he didn't mean it like he'd get mad at me. But in other words, he's saying, this should be enough for you, son. I told you that they're in their courses fighting from the heavens. I've told you that there's innocency and they have been dispatched to turn the outcome of this intended event to turn it around for you like Daniel. And now I'm telling you at the most stressful moment, there were angels there to protect Jacob. Even if he didn't recognize it as much as he should have, they were there. They were not going to let. He holds the seed line of Jesus. He has to raise these 12 boys right. God's not going to let him die at the hand of Esau. Angels were there to make sure the outcome came good. And he said, at the most stressful moment for you, there is angels working, son, believe me and trust me. And and that that settled me. And I just kept, Jenny and I would walk the floors and we would just say, Father, I thank you. I'm not moved by what the, I'm not moved by what they say. I'm not moved by what they say. I thank you, angel. I mean, this is real life. This is real life stress. I thank you that angels are working. And then the lawyer calls. Ding, 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 ding. He said, in 25 years of being a criminal attorney, I've never seen this. And I said, what? It's either really bad or really good. And and I hate it when people keep you on the hook like that. It really annoys me. I said, is it good or bad? He said, good. Thank you, Jesus. He said, I've never seen this in 25 years of practice. He said, this is, now he's a Catholic believer, but he is a believer. And he said, this is a true miracle. Pastor Craig. He said, I've never seen this happen before. Now, of course, I didn't know how big the miracle was until last week. And he said, they called me. He said, they've never done that before. He said, I have to call and plead with them. He said, I was going to, but I didn't do it yet. I was waiting for the right time. And they called me and they said, we are, we are with, the crown is withdrawing all charges against Reverend Field. He said, I didn't ask why. I didn't argue. I just said, thank you very much. He must donate $2,000 to a charity of his choice and it cannot be his own church. And they said, send us the proof that he's paid that payment and we will, we will show you the discharge papers. He said, thank you. He hung up. And that day, I just, who, Lord, who? I couldn't think of anybody. So I just quickly for, who, who are these people here? World Vision, they help children. So I donated $2,000 to World Vision. We sent those forms right off. The same, like within, that, within an hour. I didn't, want, I didn't want anybody changing their mind. The 2000's gone. You can't change your mind. It's a sealed deal. And he got the discharge papers and we hired an ex-police officer who went and caused everything to be expunged. Only judges can see the record now if they look. But it's expunged from the police, the customs. They can't see. I have no record. They, they burned the pictures. I thought I looked quite handsome, but they burned him anyway. They burned the, the, the fingerprints. They, they get rid of them. They totally erase them. It's gone. Praise God. And so last week when I realized how really devastating this could have been to my children and to this church and to the ministry and to the, to the, the call of God for the apostles office and flag works and the glory center, this was an assignment of hell. This really was the devil working. And I, again, I emphasize I'm not, as, I'm not really against the, the citizens that were involved, it was not real. I don't believe it was really their fault. I don't believe they tried to hurt me. It's just that the, the wrong people got a hold of written words and then the wrong people tried to manipulate it and try to attack the church because they don't, there's an antichrist spirit at work in the world. And especially people in high positions of authority. We, gotta, we got to stand our ground. We got to pray. We got to pray because people in high positions of authority, if they hate God, they will try to hurt. They can't get to God, but they can get to us. 
which is why we have to walk so clean. We have to walk so circumspect. We have to use such great wisdom in what we say and what we do. And I'm glad in some ways that that situation happened because it showed me what not to do and how not to trust people, how to handle the police. Cause I learned a lot. I learned a lot how to handle the police through that situation. I was very disappointed, very, very disappointed with the police. I always saw them as my protector, but they are if they think you're innocent. But if they think you're guilty, even if you're not, you watch out. You don't go near them without a lawyer because they will try to take advantage. I'm not against anybody. I'm just saying I learned a lot of what not to do. But most importantly, I learned how real angels are, how, the, how they have ways of doing things, Jenny, that are absolutely impossible. They boggle the human mind. Oh, my God. So, Heavenly Father, I just want to say to you from the bottom of my heart and those that are here that love this ministry and love you and love me, Father, we want to thank you. We spent a whole Wednesday night imploring you and, and pleading and praying and releasing our faith and rejoicing. But, Father, it is right to honor what you've done. And I want to thank you, Lord. Of course, I've thanked you many, many times. But I take this Wednesday night as an assigned night of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude. And I say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I just ask you to stand to honor him for a second, then I'll let you sit and we close the service. But Father, we stand to honor you and I want to thank you. We lift our hands and we give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for your mighty angels. Thank you for your word of promise that I stood on. Thank you that you kept your word to me. Thank you that those, those three words, you kept them. You honored your word. Thank you for those mighty beings that excel in strength and that hearken to the voice of the word of God. Thank you that they intervened and they turned what was impossible and made it possible and turned what was going to destroy us and turned it to our good. Lord, I give you praise for it. And I thank you for it. And I glorify you for it. Not only did you restore a precious relationship at the beginning of Hebron, but you delivered me from lions. You delivered me from certain failure. You delivered me from Sisera. You delivered me from Esau. You delivered me, Father, from the lions. And I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Lord, I don't want to be, I don't want to go against the grain. I don't want to poke the bear. I don't want to get in trouble. I just want to get along with everybody. But Father, I know the stand that we take on certain things, there may be uproars in the future. And so Father, I thank you that we have under our belt now round one is in God's corner. That you have, angels have delivered us. And Lord, if it ever comes down to it, which I pray it doesn't, but if it does, I know that those angels will help us again. But Lord, we must be led by the Spirit and live clean and circumspect and be above reproach and blameless on every side so that we don't open a door. And Lord, I'm endeavoring. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to make sure that we're doing that. So Father, I just give you glory and I give you praise. Thank you for delivering us from Satan's clutches. Oh, there were many adversaries, but the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. And I give you praise. Lord, let this simple uh, night of reminiscing and of praise and of talking about these three verses that you gave me about how angels are there to help us and work for us. Lord, let it minister to the people, those that are going through difficult times. Maybe not as high of a stress as what I was, but doesn't matter. Lord, whatever they're going through, there are angels to help them. Let them release those angels. Let them stand on your word when it looks impossible. Let them believe you for a miracle and angels can shut the mouths 
of those enemies. And I give you praise and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, sir. I give you praise. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, I give you glory. <laughs> oh, I give you glory. 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 I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. There is no other God like you in the heavens above or the earth beneath who keeps covenant with your servant who walketh after thee with all their hearts. Oh, there is no God like the God of Daniel. There's no God like our Jesus. Oh, we give you praise and honor tonight. In G, I know God is smiling. I can feel him smiling. I can feel he's pleased. We take time to honor what he did. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Everybody said amen.